Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Coming up, Lav and I break down Cam Davis's victory at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, Bill's beef with the press, and another eventful week for Bryson DeChambeau. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Normally, this is where we would tell you about John Rahm's equipment he used to win the U.S. Open, but why not hear from the champion himself? For all those people that might have doubted the, the manufacturer change, you know, there was a reason why I believed I could get better. And the new ball and the new irons uh, allowed me to hit certain shots that I simply wasn't capable of before. And it showed, you know, some of those wet shots and some of those long shots at eight iron and one. I mean, being able to hit that shot high with spin, but still go through the wind and hit it short of the pin. And many others like that is what allowed me to stay as aggressive. So uh, I need to say a huge thank to that to the team in Callaway. You know, they've, I gave them a headache. I don't know how many putters they've built for me, for me to find the one I needed. And... You know, I'm pretty sure I found the one I need. Uh, this one's working really well. So, Joe, thank you for all the hard work. And uh, we got one, boy. So, I guess second one of the year. <laughs> to learn more about Rom's gear, visit callawaygolf.com slash Rom. Ryan, happy fourth. Happy, happy delayed fourth to you, Rex. What did you, what did you throw on your uh, grill smoker combo? Uh, I wasn't home. We we visited some friends up in Savannah. Uh, I think I sent you some uh, some Snapchats about some. You did, thank we you. To. Yeah, uh, but the the people we visited, uh, I I discovered something new that I, I really want to try. It's 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 essentially a Caesar salad, but you sort of just slice the lettuce, you know, the the romaine lettuce in half, and then you grill it. And you know, you got you put oil, salt, and pepper on it, and you grill it. It was did you just divine. call it? Did you just call it the Romine lettuce, as in like Brentley Romine? You and I were just talking about Brentley, so yeah, I just did that. Is this like Peter Mel? What did you call him, Peter? Malnati. Move on. <laughs> uh, so, you, so you did not get to grill, you, but you saw someone grill a salad. That was your big takeaway from the from the weekend. It was really good. Like I can't wait to try it. I know it's way out of your league because you're an expert at this, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, I mean, grilled grilled salad and grilled romaine. Uh, lettuce yeah. as, as long as you get the big uh the big leaves of it um it, it is it is terrific it just adds a little bit of uh, extra punch to what can be a pretty mundane uh, appetizer uh i was like you i was uh, not at my house but rex uh, unlike you i came prepared 
And so my in-laws have a place um, at Reynolds Lake Oconee. Very nice. We like go in there four to six times a year. And I am so dedicated to the craft wrecks um, that I have actually brought two grills and smokers up there uh, to a house that is not my own, which is um, my in-laws second place. And so on, let's see, Sunday, I wanted to, I had big aspirations. I wanted to do ribs. Maybe I'll do um, a little bit of pulled pork um, at the very least smoke a chicken. Um, but no, uh, since it wasn't my house, I played by others rules and all we had uh, was four measly chicken thighs, um, eight brisket burgers, which were, which were delicious. Um, and just some generic hot dogs that I, that I threw on the Weber kettle. Um, so it was a, it was a pretty disappointing um, put out, I would say for what is, what is traditionally the biggest grilling day of the year. Although you and I have talked about this before Thanksgiving is really where the pit masters shine. That's really where you can do just a, a, a wide array of dishes on a wide array of smokers. And so really everything's gearing up towards November. That's the time of year that I want to peak. A lot of players want to peak four times a year around the majors. I want to peak during Thanksgiving week. Did you get any feedback from your shameless plug for the LET event last week? That was the, not, uh, not a word, not a word, no. not you, even you, a yeah. like you tagged it. Right. I mean, you did all the tagged it. and begging and begging just like you should. And you got nothing. Did you see the trophy? The, the trophy was even better than just the, than just the T markers. The trophy was not. like, it was a, was a miniature, was a miniature big green egg. It just had a stand on it. It was amazing. I'm going to move on to the golf. And before we get to Cam Davis's victory, which was another playoff victory and really fun to watch at the Detroit Golf Club, which is a really cool spot. It's like one of those places. I think we talked about this last week at River Highlands. Sort of one of those underrated. If you know, you know, type of place. If you know, you know. Uh, But I wanted to start with the two headlines from last week. And I'll start with with Brooks Kepka. Because the news was Bryson DeChambeau and his caddy split, which ranks right up there in my mind with, you know, Dog Bites Man. Because it was inevitable that Tim and Bryson were going to split. That's a very, very demanding job. There's no way he was going to stay on that bag for a prolonged amount of time because we've seen it. We see it day after day, week after week on the PGA Tour. Bryson's a worker, and he's exhausting, and there's a lot of things that need to be done before a round of golf and after a round of golf. And when your guy goes to the range and hits balls into the twilight every single day, that's going to wear on you. So those two. But it's also up. it's also one of the most lucrative jobs in golf, is it not? Oh, absolutely. He got paid well. I don't think Tim's going to be complaining. I, this goes back to a story that Paul Tesori told me a few years ago. He was on VJ Singh's bag, which would be the equivalent from another generation of, of if what not, Bryson. If not more arduous. I, I I think it's it's pretty comparable. I was kind of thinking about this last week when someone asked me about it. It's very comparable as far as the amount of work and, and thought and energy that goes into it. But Paul told me with one year that he worked for VJ and it was the year that VJ won 10 times. So you can just kind of do the math and get an idea how much Paul made. Paul had two days off the entire year, even when they were home in Jacksonville, they were at TPC Sawgrass, hitting balls, working, grinding. Yes. That is not, that's not Bryson's level. Tim Tucker is not, is not standing on the range uh, at Dallas national as Bryson's going through these marathon range sessions on his, on his off weeks. That's a probably VJ is a whole different level now during now at a, at a, at a tournament site. Yeah. It's probably a little bit more exhausting, but, but that is, that's ridiculous. Uh, No, no, I would agree with that. Probably not. I don't see it, but it is a demanding job. And I'm I'm not going to, of course, the the part that got me in all this is, is Bruce Kepka on, on social media. And this has gone from just a, 
we've blown past beef and he's just a full-size troll now right like coming at him after all this caddy news with with a with some social media telling you know happy national caddy day congratulating ricky and, and look ricky is one of my favorite ricky elliott brooks is a caddy one of my favorite people on tour that being said ricky's got to be thinking to himself come on man why, why you got to drag me into your into your mess like don't don't do this to me and, and because he has gone beyond just sort of being playful on twitter he's just a troll now is he not he's a he's a troll now but i actually i actually enjoyed this little dig more than some of his his previous uh uh dalliances on on social media just because he was he was poking fun this this wasn't life or death he wasn't you know leveling steroid accusations which is what he did last summer it wasn't a situation where you know he was he was making fun of or 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 really calling out bryson's slow play or saying that he, that he just doesn't like him. I mean, this was, this was as, as lighthearted and as playful as it gets. And I actually enjoyed this one a little bit more than some of his previous digs. That, that said, I want to go back to this, this split because to me, this is one of the most important unions in all of professional golf. Uh, I would put it right up there with Jordan Spieth and Michael Greller. I put it right up there with Roy McElroy and Harry Diamond. There's different dynamics to all these player caddy relationships, but this was one where Bryson had inherent trust and faith in what Tim Tucker was doing. You mentioned all the long hours that they spend certainly doing practice hours, making sure that everything is, is fine tuned, but, but Tim Tucker can speak Bryson's language. And as it stands right now, there's probably very few people, if any on the PJ tour, certainly, um, and the free agent caddy market who could speak that same sort of love, love language as, as Bryson is doing. And so the timing of the split was certainly curious and it, and it leads you to believe, even though Bryson's team said that this was a mutual decision and they just kind of grew tired of each other. It certainly seems that with the timing that this was Tim Tucker walking away from the bag, you don't do that otherwise on the eve of the tournament, which was Bryson's title defense in Detroit one week to go into the open championship. You still have the Olympics, the playoffs, the Ryder cup. I mean, these are big, big tournaments in the next couple of weeks. And to have this sort of seismic shift in what is going on in Bryson's world, I think really upended him. And it wasn't a surprise to see him, him kind of struggle last week with Ben Showman, his club fitter from Cobra Puma um, on the bag last week. There's, there's a lot that he needs to get sorted out here in a very short period of time. No, there's going to be a learning curve for whoever steps in. And I can't imagine that it's going to come to fruition next week at the Open Championship. I can't imagine they've got it figured out by the playoffs. Because as you pointed out, you need to speak Bryson's language. And none of us quite can grasp that. And so the fact that Tim was able to do that, it, it is going to be an issue going forward. That being said, he eventually lands on a caddy that he can replace him with. But, I mean, to your point, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I think this was Tim walking away. And again, I'm not entirely shocked by it, nor do I particularly think that anyone's to blame. Like in a relationship like this, there is going to be strain. I just listened to you fussing at your wife walking into your office because the TV that she was supposed to set up isn't working. That's a relationship. She did, that, she did set it up and now it's not. Yeah. I mean, I guess the point here is it, in a relationship where you you have to have that level of trust, there's going to be strain. As I, I, had, I had, I had, tru I had trust that this was going to work and now there's strain. 
And now she has strain because you're going to fuss at her before you sit down for the podcast because one of your two TVs in your new office doesn't work. So, but no, I'm not particularly shocked that this happened and he'll figure it out eventually. But I think this is going to be another thing that Bryson is going to have to deal with. I don't think Bryson's going to end up with his bones macaque. I don't think he's going to end up with his Harry Diamond. I don't think he's going to end up with his Michael Greller. Because I just, I'm not saying he's not a likable fellow, but that's a tough bag. That's a tough guy to work for, man. It is. And you have to keep in mind that early on in Bryson's career, he, he was cycling through caddies trying to find the right one. In fact, he, he initially hired Tim Tucker uh, in 2017. They split about midway through and then reunited in early 2018 and had been together um, for all of Bryson's um, eight PGA Tour wins, including the um, U.S. Open last fall. Uh, we, we still have a lot of questions when it comes to Bryson, and quite frankly, we don't have any answers because he didn't speak to the media last week. And this was really one of two uh, player media stories that we had. We're going to first mention Bryson, and then we're going to get to Phil and, and the week that he had. But Bryson did not talk to the media. So he, he well, he did have a pre-tournament press conference on Tuesday. That was before this news broke on Thursday morning. He did not speak after his Thursday round, and he did not speak after his Friday round. I'm all for giving players a, a, a free pass occasionally if they shoot a million and they want to blow us off. I get it. But with this particular situation with Bryson, he needed to talk one of those days. And the, and the reason why I think it is, is threefold. One, he's a top tour player, and top tour players understand their responsibility and their obligation to speak to the press. It's as much of a part of the job as playing by the rules or signing a scorecard. Secondly, he's the defending champion of the tournament. The fans who are, who reporters are proxies for, they want to hear from Bryson. He's the defending champion. The sponsors want to hear from Bryson. The tournament officials want to hear from Bryson. The people of Detroit want to hear from the defending champion. And thirdly, this is a player who Rex is literally sponsored by rocket mortgage. And yet he did not talk to the media after each of his two rounds. So surely they have to be left wondering what they're actually paying for. Did you have any problem at all with Bryson blowing off the media those two days and not discussing, he didn't discuss it on the uh, pre-tournament call for the match either. Um, do you have any pr problem with the way that Bryson's handling this? Oh, sure. Yeah. I think any time that you're going to leave something like this hanging out there, you and I, and podcasts and journalists and people everywhere are going to jump to conclusions without any further information from Bryson or Bryson's camp. The, the, to your point, yes, I think there is an obligation. And you and I talked about this a few weeks ago when it, it sort of trickled over from tennis, right? And we talked about a, a professional athlete's responsibility that, yes, there is some sort of responsibility that you have to be accountable to the media on some level. I don't have a problem with a player looking me in the face and saying, nope, not today. Like you and I both, I think are on the same page on this one. That I'm as long as that. they open their mouth and say no. Absolutely. I don't want. Like I don't it. want that answer to come from anybody else. I don't want it to come from a PGA Tour media official. I don't want it to come from Bryson's yeah. agent. I want Bryson DeChambeau to open his mouth and say, "Sorry, guys, not today. Maybe tomorrow." Perfectly fine. And I, I, and, and I made a point of this a few years ago because the example that, that I think the obvious example is Tiger Woods, and there was a few years ago in Charlotte. Tiger decided not to do a pre-tournament press conference and everyone went nuts. Like, well, Tiger has to talk. He's the number one player in the world. Like he has to talk every week that he plays. And he did, I think he did some sort of social media online thing with fans that day. And, and I went and I counted 
and you and I will, will be able to understand this, there's a, there's a website that transcribes all of the interviews. It's called ASAP. And I counted how many ASAP interviews he had done since he turned pro. And compared to the guy who was number two on the list that I went and counted, he had 10 times more. I, I think at the time it was like 4,200 interviews he had done through that moment. Se- second place on that list was Phil Mickelson with 800. Like it wasn't even close. And I guess my point was, I don't expect an athlete to have to talk or even the world number one, for example, and Dustin's probably a terrible example, but even the world number one to to talk every single week, but there are responsibilities after rounds where you are going to be held accountable. And whether if you shoot a 66 or an 86, you're going to have to answer, even if you're not in the middle of a, of a situation like Bryson found himself with his caddy. And I think that responsibility is starting to be dismissed by the younger generation. And I'm actually glad you brought up Tiger because I think that's one of the most underappreciated aspects of him. I think, I mean, you covered him a whole lot longer than I have, probably double the period, um, just with him starting his pro career in '96. But I would, I would, I would reckon he has probably talked or probably said no comment or I'm not going to talk today, probably fewer than 20 times in his PGA Tour career. Do you think that's safe to say? Fewer than 20 times? Oh, that's safe. To- yeah. yeah, I used to say I used to say it was around ten, and then you know when he was going through his injury issues, he he kind of um, he, he kind of dismissed it because you know what are you going to say after you shoot seventy eight and, and are hobbling along? But I would say over Tiger's PGA Tour career, he has not talked to the media after a round probably fewer than twenty times. That is incredible. If you think of Roy McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, um, uh. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, any of kind of the big name players of this next generation, Justin Thomas, I would guess that they've already accumulated more than 20 times where they said, no, not talking today. And I think that's just a product of the younger generation. I think it's a product of, of maybe the players having more power. I mean, no one has held more power over the PJ tour than tiger, but I think players are just emboldened by their current stature um, on the PJ tour in the media landscape, just as, as not just athletes, but kind of pseudo celebrities, um, as well. And I always hear the excuse that social media has made it easier for these guys to, to kind of push the media away and kind of do it themselves. Except I, I don't see that at all, Rex. Like people always said, Oh, you know, if, if Bryson's not going to talk to the media in Detroit, well, he, you know, he can just go on Instagram or he can go on Twitter and write his own statement or have a, a one minute video that he can post to kind of explain himself to his fans. No one's doing that. No one, absolutely no one is doing that. Now Phil is starting to, because Phil has kind of found his voice on Twitter, but everyone else is, is too worried of, you know, they're, they're too brand conscious on, on Twitter to actually devote themselves to any sort of, of quote unquote media work on social media. So I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is here. Um, but it does seem to be, it does seem to be getting worse, in the sense that I think players view media as certainly a, a necessary evil um, above all, but but also something that can just be easily dismissed or or used to their only to their benefit when you know they want to sling product or promote themselves or talk about their good play. It, I don't think it's necessarily a two way street of I'm going to talk you know, also after bad rounds instead of just every time I shoot 66. Well, and this dovetails with the, the second headline that you and I 
wanted to touch on, which was Phil Mickelson and his issues with the press last week. And it, it, what was interesting is you and I had a mutual friend that reached out to me last night who we used to work with together in a former life as magazine, as magazine writers. And he, he brought up a very good point saying that the media is there for good and bad, right? I mean, I think you and I can both agree that, yes, we'd much rather write a Sunday story of guys making birdies and eagles and historic finishes and great victories. There's going to be those stories. There's also going to be the occasional story. I guess the best example is Matthew Wolf that you wrote at the U.S. Open a few weeks ago. A difficult story to write. Maybe not the most positive story to write, but I truly believe it was a story that needed to be written. And I thought you did a very good job, not so much, not only for golfchannel.com and the folks who read it and the fans, but for Matthew. I think on some level he needed to sort of vent and, and get it out there. And my point was in this particular case with Phil Mickelson, getting angry with the press and what he called a hit piece, which essentially was some court documents that went back essentially two decades talking about Phil being owed some money for some gambling debts that the guy didn't pay him. And it just was kind of a deep dive into something that happened, like I said, two years ago. Again, you can question the timing all you want, but even Phil's own lawyer himself said that there was nothing factually wrong with the story. He just didn't like the timing of it. Well, that's something that even Phil, well, particularly Phil, should understand better than anyone else that you don't get to choose the content, nor do you get to choose the time when, when the journalist runs the content. Now, you, you can consider it a hit piece, but for him to, to, to jump onto social media and to try to leverage whatever audience he has against this particular journalist and threaten never to go back to Detroit, I, I, just, I just think it's a poor form on Phil's part. He called the... Uh, reporter in question, Robert Snell, um, who's a federal courts reporter for the Detroit News, opportunistic. Um, he said that he and so many of his, his fellow local media brethren um, around the country, quote, use famous people when they come to town to increase their own exposure. And so I did a little digging on, on Robert Snell. Uh, he is respected, he is well-connected, he is award-winning, and he has been on this beat, Rex, for more than a decade. And so, in other words, he's long past needing to increase his own exposure through some sort of clickbait article. And, and Phil's point was that this happens throughout the country. Everywhere he goes, the local media members are, are, are trying to write something, whether it's... Um, any sort of negative commentary, digging up something from his past, just to sort of have an angle for when the tournament comes to town. You and I have both worked for non-national media outlets. We work for a national media outlet now. Um, back when I was in college, I, I worked for the Athens Regional, uh, excuse me, the Athens Banner Herald. And every year there would be a nationwide tour event. That's uh, the two sisters ago of what, what is now known as the, as the Corn Ferry Tour. And so we had this Athens Regional Foundation Classic that would happen every April. And it was a big deal. And you'd start planning months in advance. And this is just local journalism 101. You would have every single department in the newsroom kind of thinking of how you can come up with some sort of angle that leads to this comprehensive coverage of this event, right? I'm sure you did the exact same thing for the Orlando Sentinel when um, Arnie's tournament was sure. right around the corner. Yeah. It's all hands on deck. Everyone's trying to think of their angle. Now, was this maybe an unsa a more unsavory angle than usual? Yeah, probably. Was the timing a little bit odd? Yeah, 
for sure. But nothing was untrue. It was an interesting story. And quite frankly, it was such a hyper-local story buried behind a paywall that no one would have known if not for Phil amplifying it on social media. No one would have read the story. It would not be, have become a national headline if Phil did not bring attention to it. And so that leads me to believe that the only reason Phil brought attention to it is because it's embarrassing for him. It's because he got swindled out of $500,000. Yeah, that's nothing to a guy who's, who's made more than a million or $100 million in his career. But it's embarrassing that this happened to him. That is what I think this whole thing boils down to. It's not Phil's crusade against local media and how they do things. Because, quite frankly, this is the only time I can remember um, a local media member actually having some sort of uh, unsavory angle when it comes to Phil and, and him coming to town to play in a tournament like the one uh, last week at Rocket Mortgage. The only thing I can think is that it makes him kind of look clownish that he actually got 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 fooled and got swindled by a guy. That's that's what I think this really comes down to. Well, and again, this goes back to the Bryson Tim Tucker story. Like I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised. I don't think anyone is surprised that Phil Mickelson was involved in some sort of gambling situation we all know by now that phil mickelson likes to gamble when he's on the golf course and and he's not gambling for a little bit of money the fact it was five hundred thousand dollars someone got into debt to him and couldn't pay him back it's it's juicy it's kind of interesting i read the story i thought wow that that, you know that that it's a story that that i wouldn't mind writing and as far as the, the timing of it phil mickelson has not played a detroit event since 2002 which is essentially when this happened when you go back to the court documents so yes it's a two decade old story to your point, he hasn't been there in two decades. This was the first time this reporter, this newspaper, this outlet had an opportunity to address. And he this. wasn't he wasn't sitting on this story for three years, like, oh boy, I sure hope Phil comes to town so I can write this story. He clearly got tipped off recently. And then rather than run it on like a local or a, or just a random Tuesday in, in early June, they probably discussed it in the newsroom and said, Yeah, this makes sense as part of our comprehensive coverage for the Detroit news when the rocket mortgage comes to town. Like that's how this happens. That's how this works. It's a comprehensive effort in local newsrooms. Well, and we've talked about this before where there is no one in the business. And this includes Tiger Woods, who's able to control the narrative better than Phil Mickelson. I have seen him do it time and time again throughout my entire career where he is going to be asked questions in pretty much every press conference that he gives that he probably would rather not answer whatever they're about. And you could, be about not having not won the U.S. Open, his bad relationship with the USGA, gambling, whatever the case may be. No one is better at spinning this in a different direction than Phil Mickelson. He has made an art form out of that. So the idea now that he has chosen that I'm not even going to do that anymore. I'm just going to go directly to the consumer and tell them that I'm not coming back to Detroit unless you get a petition that's signed by 5,000 people. and I, everyone, No, 50, 50,000. 50,000 people and everyone does a random act of kindness. I, I like the premise. Like it's a it's a cool idea. Let's let's all do a random act of kindness a day. The fact you're leveraging your name against a tour event just because of something a, a reporter, as you pointed out, wrote something that probably ninety percent of the public in Detroit would have no idea that was ever even reported. Like that seems to me it's he overstepped the line. Like it was a line that didn't need to be crossed, and he definitely crossed it. Yeah, this seems like one of the rare miscalculations of Phil. As you said, he can he can spin anything. He typically has an agenda if he's opening up his opening his mouth. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, I, I think he he woefully um, 
underestimated the story. And by the way, um, last I checked, he only has about 12,000 people sign that petition. So we don't, uh, we, we might not be getting Phil Mickelson um, at Detroit Golf Club next year, where of course he finished uh, tied for 74th um, in Detroit last week. Now the winner last week was Cam Davis, 26 year old Australian. If you've never heard of him, he is a, I'd say a solid, if unspectacular, PG Tour player throughout his career. He won an Aussie Open in 2017. He won on the Corn Ferry Tour in 2018. And he's just kind of been, not necessarily going through the motions, but playing well enough to pop up here and there, uh, not doing anything spectacular. But he was the winner in Detroit, beating um, not just your boy Troy Merritt um, in a five-hole playoff, but also Joaquin Neiman, who did not make a bogey for 72 holes of regulation, drops a shot on the first extra hole and bows out. What was your takeaway besides the Bryson and the Phil news, which to me was kind of the, the main headlines from uh, the Rocket Mortgage Week? What was your kind of main headline for how Sunday played out? I would agree. I think those were the two biggest storylines. I hadn't spent a lot of time watching Cam Davis for the reasons I think you just pointed out, but solid, if not spectacular. I mean, he gets to a tour event and it seems to me there's a lot of middle of the pack finishes, which you have to be very, very good to finish in the middle of the pack on the PGA tour The finish though. I mean, there was nothing middle of the pack about what he did in regulation just to get into the playoff. He finished Eagle birdie. I mean, it, it, it was a solid hold, finish. hold out a bunker shot in the 71st hole. I, yeah. I, I was just kind of looking at the distance on that just cause I was a little bit curious. That was a 17 yard bunker shot at that. So not, not an easy, simple, straightforward bunker shot. And the fact that another playoff, which I, I think is, is pretty a pretty good sign for the PGA tour. People want to talk about negative stories. This is such a good story. I, I will go to last week. And even though you and I talked about kind of the monotony of how they did their playoff this time around, I think it showcased a really cool golf course that a lot of people don't really probably don't spend a lot of time watching. Yeah. Another Donald Ross gem. It, this, I think some of these, these summer tournaments are, are easily forgotten. There's a lot going on. Kids are finally out of school. People are taking vacations. Uh, but but to me, this is really a stretch that 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 the golf diehards, if you're paying attention, kind of know and love the, the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands. Terrific golf course, Detroit Golf Club, ever since it burst back on the scene a couple years ago, um, has been an absolute delight to watch on the uh, European tour. Of course, you have this Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open Championship swing, which is always one of my favorite. I was a little bit disappointed last week. Uh, with Mount Juliet, which was the host site for the Irish Open. It is a Parkland golf course, very much the opposite of what you kind of want and expect when it comes to an Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open Championship swing. It basically looked like you were playing in Ohio in September. Balls were zipping back uh, on the greens. Balls were kind of plopping down on the fairways. Um, That was a little bit disappointing. Nothing to take away, of course, from Lucas Hebert, um, who won his second European Tour event. Um, but that kind of wasn't the golf that we were um, kind of knowing and loving. This week, Renaissance Club, uh, Rex, you and I have played there at least once, uh, I believe. Terrific whiskey. Um, that certainly uh, came to mind from our uh, misadventure there. I believe there's a par three that's the caddy called the toughest uh, par five par in five. golf. Yes, yes. Yeah, right, right next to the clubhouse. Five. It is an absolutely stacked field. I think seven or eight of the top ten in the world getting a head start certainly um, on the time change adjustment, as well as their Lynx golf prep. Uh, you are heading out of the country. Normally we do like a 10 day boondoggle. 
Um, that is not happening for multiple reasons this year, namely because I'm not going over at all. Um, I'll miss with, you. with the quarantine requirement in place and my wife's seven and a half months pregnant. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I will be very bitter on the podcast next week. Uh, can you let the folks know at home um, exactly what you will be enduring when you finally do set sail and, and head off to London later this week? It's not a visual medium here, but I'm not. That's the, that's the FedEx box filled with tests that I, I have to take before, after, during. Tests, plural. Plural COVID-19 tests that I have to take before, after. They sent me extras because I think the idea is they know I'm going to mess something up. And it was, don't do anything until we call you, you buffoon. Like, just, just, just leave it all alone. Just, just be done with it. Um, it. It may or may not make it to the Open Championship. I'm certainly hoping so. So, And there's a lot of hoops to jump through, and, and, and understandably so. I think that as far as – they're going to have a lot of fans on property. Understandably the, so. They're going to have 32,000 fans, and yet you've got to sit in your hotel room for five days. Yes, yes. It's not, uh, not going to be enjoyable, and it's a little surprising. And not from – I mean, this way would be, it would be simple for me to sit around in my hotel room, which I'm sure I'll do, and complain. But I think uh, you know, some players said something. I think Tommy Fleetwood – had some comments last week about Ricky, how Ricky Fowler as well. Yep. Yeah. I, I, and I think it's understandable that they want to make sure this is as safe as possible. And they want to make sure that everyone is abiding by whatever their protocols are. And I think the, the point here is their protocols are different than what it hit. The protocols have pretty much been on the PGA tour. They're going to be more stringent. You're going to have to submit some more tests. You're, you're going to have to stay in your hotel. You're going to have to essentially go back to where we were last June where you're going to be safer at home. They want you to eat in your hotel room. They want you to go to the golf course to play golf and do it all over again. And I think it's going to be hard for players. Like, again, forget about no one cares what you and I are going to have to do for the players, for the caddies, for everyone who has now gone through this for more than a year. I, I think it's going to be a, a really difficult slap in the face. And it's going to be a little bit more in a couple of weeks when we get to the Olympics. So I'll be curious to see players and caddies attitude after, let's say, this next month when they get back to the PGA tour and realize, man, the tour did a pretty good job. The guys are certainly going to be in a good mood when I see them in Memphis uh, after this open championship uh, Olympic double. I, I, I think that's fair to say. So what, what is the, what is the itinerary? Because you, I think you do have to do a five day quarantine if, if I'm not mistaken. I do. Yeah, we do. And so that'll be, it'll be straight to Ramsgate, which is where, um, which is where we'll be staying for the week. And Ramsgate? Been, is that is that like the Marriott of London? Uh, it's a town, and there is no Marriott. I believe it's a, a comfort inn, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not even getting the, the points. How about that? Wow. Comfort inn. I'm sure that's yeah. I'm sure that's it's wonderful. Be- and and I, I know I know you're gonna abide by the, the government rules because we don't want to see you um, locked away in, in some kind of prison over there. Um, because they are very strict. But let's just say theoretically, let's just say theoretically. You're able to get out uh, and play some golf either uh, before or after uh, Open Championship Week. Where will you play or would you play uh, since this is purely a uh, theoretical exercise? You've never done the Open Down South, have you? You've never. Have you ever covered a St. George Open? Yeah, you have. Have you? No, that was two, that was 2011 was the last time. Uh, of course, when Darren Clark won, um, I did not cover that one. So it's, it's right next to each other, and it's sort of this cluster, which is normally the case. But in this particular case, the cluster is, is St. George's, where the Open will be. But then there's Prince's right next door, and then there's Rural Sinkports. I've never played Prince's, but Rural Sinkports is an amazing place, and it's a lot of history there. It's a fun golf course to play. If, in theory, there's a way for me to 
to leave my room and, and to not have to stay in, in the comfort inn. In theory, if, if that's allowed, then absolutely. That's where you'll find me. And, and then what's – so obviously you cover the tournament. Flying back Monday, probably get into Orlando mid-afternoon on Monday. Then when do you leave for Tokyo? I believe I'm home for three days. Like, and that's where the box of tests come into play. Because not only are they for the, the Open Championship, but you also have to start testing – 72 hours before you get on a plane to go to Tokyo. So there's going to be a lot of testing for me in my immediate So you'll see your family for four days in the next month? Yeah, that's about it. How does your wife feel about that? Is she, I mean, my wife has her own issues right now as I bark at her about the second TV not working. Uh, How does your wife feel about leaving uh, her alone with with three boys this summer? I don't know that your wife would be all that upset as she is how many months pregnant now? And and you're barking at her. Seven and a half. Seven and a half months pregnant, and you're barking at her about the TV not working. Sounds like a her problem. I think is the line you, you threw at me when you got on. The I mean, Zoom call. she she is the one who set it up. I didn't set it up. I don't have knowledge of this. I don't I don't know what the inner workings are. I don't. I don't either. I don't either. I don't either. But I know better than to complain. It's more you have to ease into that. Hey, any idea why the uh, TV not working? Chop chop. I, I mean, I've got, you know I've, got I've got my, I've got my own issues. We have uh, tropical storm Elsa. Uh, bearing down on um, our sweet, sweet town of, of Nocatee. So I think my, I think my afternoon is going to be spent taking down all of the things that I just put up outside over the past couple of weeks. Your so that's first fun. hurricane in the new house. That's it. And, I, and since you brought it up and you mentioned this before, but I wanted to circle back around to it. Your tweet that you sent out last week about this is the most enjoyable time of year for you to watch TV yes. because of the because of that Irish Open, Scottish Open, Open Championship run. I could almost see the air going out of that tweet after you posted it because, like, I don't think you realized when you tweeted it out that it was Mount Juliet, which is a Parkland course. I did, but I've never I've never seen Mount Juliet, so I was like, oh, surely that's going to be a terrific golf course. Now the the, the tip off Renaissance been- Club, which is not a which is not a classic course, which is a fun course. You just you and I pointed out, but it's not the classic course that everyone's probably used to when you if you're it's in not, North I mean, America, it's not play it's America. not it's not classic links like press hard against the water, but you still have to play links shots over there. That's certainly better sure. prep for Royal St. George's than Mount Juliet was. I mean Mount Juliet, I'm not being I'm not I'm not joking. If you guys didn't have an opportunity to, to watch, it literally looked like you were playing in Ohio in like September or, or October. It was kind of gray. It was dreary. It was lush. Uh the the rough was thick. There was tall trees. I mean it there was generous fairways. That is that is not what I came to expect when I flipped on the TV. I was like, oh this this kind of sucks. I, I saw your tweet and I could almost see your shoulders slump and then the, right afterwards, oh, womp, womp, this isn't what I wanted womp. to do. No, this doesn't work at all. I mean, I still, I still watch, but I did not, I did not enjoy it as much as I usually do. All right. Check out the Renaissance club. It is a good, a, a very, very good links course. I think it's the ninth hole is the most difficult part three in the world from what the caddy told. I thought it was like middle of, cause I thought the routing was different. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was nine because it was right we had to redo to the, the routing because it was right next to the clubhouse. We took a shot. We took a shot of whiskey before we before we took that on, as you should always do. But uh, it may or may not be there to watch it on the weekend. I may or may not be in the UK. But we'll see when we we tune back in. But uh, for all the news, check out golfchannel.com. We'll talk to you next week. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, 
and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today.